0: This is Reset. I'm Natalie Moore in for Sasha Ann Simons. More than 50 years ago, Hakeem Adabudi founded Chicago's Third World Press out of his Englewood basement apartment with $400 and a mimeograph machine. Today, the historic publishing house is known as a premier spot for Black thinkers and writers. But the foundation experienced a major setback last winter. A pipe burst and flooded the basement and washed away nearly $190,000 worth of inventory. Thanks to donations from all over the country, Third World Press is poised for a comeback next month. Renowned poet and activist Hakim Adabudi joins us now to discuss this and more. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Natalie. I'm really happy to be here. When you saw your inventory of books destroyed by the flood, you said you saw your life go past you.
1: Yes, I did. And for the first time in a long time, uh, you know, tears came to my eyes because I had been in, I was in Cleveland when I was notified. So I came back the next day and went immediately to the building, There World Press Foundation, and uh, uh, workers were putting the damaged books into dumpsters. We had two very large dumpsters about the size of a room dropped outside of our headquarters and uh loaded with damaged books and so it was um a very difficult time because we're we're going on 56 years old would be 56 in october and all my adult life i've been involved in literacy literature and started third world press in 1967 in my basement apartment in inglewood um Because we are not illiterate people. When I say we, I'm not only talking about black people. I'm talking about the United States now is not a literate country. It really isn't. And Third World Press has a very special place in the hearts of many people because we came back as a result of close to 1,000 people around the country um, donating to uh, GoFundMe to bring us back. And two local organizations, um, the Poetry Foundation and George Foundation, contributed very large grants for us to come back. Uh, Michelle Boone is a, a close friend, and once she heard about it, she immediately
0: head came, of the Poetry yeah, Foundation.
1: Uh, she immediately came over and saw the damage and went back and <clears throat> talked to her board and uh, gave us a very
0: sizable grant. You had never heard of GoFundMe no, before I, your no. board brought it to you, and you were I was skeptical, you were skeptical. Mm-hmm. but then the money just kept pouring in.
1: It did. And, what did uh, that tell you? I think it told me more than anything else that over the 55 years of our existence, we've done good work. And I think that, uh, and as you know, we run three sco- schools also, so we're servicing over 600 children a day in an African-centered education. And neither my wife nor I have ever taken a salary. And so it's been a service for us to to do this kind of work. And I come out of struggle. I'm a poet primarily. And <clears throat> as a poet, I came into the literature to, uh, you know, affect change, to make change. And I've made my living uh, teaching. I'm an academic. My wife is a scholar. And so we have basically been involved in the education of our children uh very young children and college education children uh young people all of our lives and so it was a, it it was a, it was traumatic but i g- I'm used to trauma well I shouldn't say it put it that way I grew up in trauma, put it that way and uh I discovered my mother at fifteen years old <clears throat> she had been beaten to death, you know so That kind of trauma, you know, allowed me to overcome this at one level. And life has never been easy for black folks in America, and it is not easy now. And we're located in the center of the black community on the south side of Chicago at 7524 South Dobson Avenue. And for us, this is part of our answer to the question, what must we do? And the first thing we must do is educate ourselves, first and foremost. I can walk into your home and tell you exactly where you are intellectually and culturally. Uh, I walk into your home, is it clean? That's number one. And then I look on your walls, are the images on your walls, a reflection of you and your family, are great black visual artists. Then I go to your bookcase, if you've got a bookcase. You know What are you reading? That defines you. And then I try to find out what kind of music you're listening to. Is it great black music or booty call music? And then, of course, then I go to what you're streaming, what kind of movies and films you're looking at, you especially the films that are wrapped up in brown paper bags. But to really tell where that family is, you go into the children's room. What's on their walls? Doc Vader, Mickey Mouse, and Donald Duck, and you wonder why we're confused. We're confused because we don't know who we are. And any people who are in control of their own cultural imper- imperatives are about the healthy replication of themselves. And first and foremost, our children. No children, I don't care what culture, we're talking about black people now, but I don't care what culture, children are not accidents, okay? And therefore, we must have a civilization, a culture that take care of all children first and foremost.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the authors and books that you have published. They reflect literature, trauma, but also black joy. Oh, absolutely. Um...
1: One of the major educators to come out of Chicago is a, uh, a Dr. Barbara Ann Sizemore and her book, Walking in Circles. And, but she writes about the, and of course, she was the first black superintendent of the Washington, D.C. school system. She didn't last long, but her, and you see her smile on her face all the time. You see Dr. Dr. Uh, Sizemore with a smile, but her book, Walking in Circles, if you uh, look at um any of our history books and any of Gwilin and Brooks's books, we publish. We are the publisher of record of Gwendolyn Brooks. Uh, her book um, in Montgomery, a novel, uh, *Maude Martha*. Uh, her one book, one Chicago, which Michelle Boom and the Poetry Center pushed, is now Blacks. That's the one book, one Chicago, and all the public libraries have Blacks in in it now. And her children's book, *The Tiger Who Wore White Gloves*. All right so we and just we just published <clears throat> um a very important anthology co-published actually with uh, the uh, other uh, published the Hall Chicago Literary Hall of Fame and um the After Hour Press wherever i'm at and this is a book of joy instruction poetry And we just published from Enslavement Belovedness uh, by Dr. Adelaide Sanford, which is her 96 years being involved with our community in terms of joy and instruction.
0: Wow. You're listening to Reset. I'm Natalie Moore, in for Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking to Hakeem Matabudi, founder of Chicago's Third World Press, about the publishing house's comeback after a flooded basement last winter. All of the lost books are expected to be back in print by July. Uh, Talk to us about what's next and the books coming back, the flood, overcoming the flood, and you have a new catalog out.
1: Yes, and and what has just come out, which is critical. Uh, the meaning of reading in their own words. We published 10 posters, 24 by 36, in black and white and color, of major writers, poets, such as Toni Morrison. And we have a picture of Toni Morrison on the poster. And we quote from her, and she says, books are a form of political action. Books are knowledge. Books are reflection. Books change a mind. And we have Nikki Giovanni. Obviously, Gwyneth and Brooks, Malcolm X, Maya Angelou, the great James Baldwin, and of course Richard Wright and others. <clears throat> so these are new. And, and you're selling these posters. Yeah, there are ten right? of them, right? Okay. and And it's, it fit for classroom. And we sell ten of them for. Um, and we don't separate them excuse me, 10 of them said it's $200. And for the fall, we have major... Wait, and just to stay on those posters for for a minute,
0: that collection is really in response to the book banning that we've been seeing. Absolutely, right. Book banning
1: is the last refuge of ignorant people. And what you have now in the leadership Actually, in both parties, but mainly in the Republican Party, you basically have ignorant people talking about how ignorant other people are. These are non-readers. These are people who essentially have no understanding, not only of their own culture or the cultures, plural, of this country, but have not an iota of understanding of the world that they are part of. They are only used to their comfort zones in terms of the the, 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 the legislative area in which they serve. And one of the major <clears throat> teachers that we, uh, 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 of, of all people, is the ability to travel and to travel outside of your own comfort zone. And uh, I've been fortunate to travel around much of the world and have read poetry and did workshops in 38 states in the United States, you see. And so banned books are people who are afraid of ideas. And ideas and the creators of ideas actually run the world. And we all tap dance to somebody's ideas. And for me as a young man, the question was, where are the black ideas? Where are they? And so finding Richard Wright at 14 was critical. Because when I read Blackboard at 14, it changed my life. I read Blackboard in less than 24 hours and went back to the public library. I was listening to your earlier interview because libraries saved my life. And Hall Branch was very special to me. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I went back and checked out every book Richard Wright had published. And one of the major books that he had published was a book titled White Man Listen. It's a book of essays. Very few people know about the book. But in that book is an essay on Writers, and that started my <clears throat> essentially very systematic reading and studying of black writers. That's where I found out about Gwendolyn Brooks and Lincoln Hughes and Claude McKay and Margaret Walker, Margaret Danner, because Richard Wright <clears throat> laid out the importance and the, the, the critical uh, element of reading. You see, and reading. If you don't read, you can't lead, no one. And if you if you do not read, there's no way that you can perform adequately in a scientific technological society. And that's why you have this several-layered economic system in this country. <clears throat> you have over 2 million, 2.5 million black and brown boys and men and women locked up in the prisons in this country. And most of these young men and women cannot read at a fourth or fifth grade
0: level. And that's why you have the... That's what we have our school system. That's well, what, but you oh. all send books to oh, free, to, right. to people in in prisons. But I want to ask you just mentioned all these thinkers and writers and artists who influenced you and adding to that. I know Malcolm X, mm-hmm. Margaret and Charlie Burroughs, who founded DuSable Museum. What do you hope black poets, writers and thinkers and activists of today learn from your example?
1: The freest people in the world are artists. Are artists. So, therefore, we have to take our freedom, build on it, learn from it, continue to study all of our, our lives, all of our adult lives, and share it with the less fortunate. And we are in the forefront of building, starting in the 60s, of what we call independent black institutions. The major institution in the black community is the black church. As far as I'm concerned, the black church has failed. And so we have to augment the good churches, and there are good churches, with independent black institutions. And that's why we have three schools serving over 600 children a day. You have to teach young people the knowledge about themselves. If you don't know who you are, anybody can name you, you see. And that is what's happened to us. And so it's very important that we become knowledgeable about ourselves first, and then you layer that knowledge with knowledge about the world and everybody else in it. But my question to young poets and writers and thinkers and artists, what do you own? What do you own? <clears throat> what is yours? Why are you always on the salary? You see? And you look in our community and you still see the great majority of businesses owned by people outside of our community.
0: Well, and- we could keep going, <clears throat> but I have to Take a break now and and move on. But we've been talking to Haki Marabudi, who I know is Baba Haki, poet, activist, and founder of Chicago's Third World Press. Thank you so much for coming in today.
1: And to uh, whom I know as daughter. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Take care now.